Phoenix being recorded by God. Yes. All right. There we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Shorts and Goggles podcast. RJ Liggins and Kevin Reed coming the Monday before Thanksgiving. Kev, how's the week starting off for you? So good. Just really happy to be happy feast week uh, to you. That That's the opener, I should say, is happy feast week to yes, you. Exactly. That's why we're here today. We're here to talk college hoops. It's a big week for the Zags. But before we jump into it, Kev, we got a guest, man. Who do we got in the building? We, we summoned him. We, we spoke words into existence. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to speak things into existence. And I, we called out Tyler enough times to where um, producer Tyler is making his, his, his second appearance um, on the show. Uh, will, it, will it be a sophomore slump for producer Tyler? We'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll see what happens. So, Ty, I mean- welcome, welcome back, man. The people got some questions, Ty. Like, you might have to defend yourself a little bit, man. What's What's been going on? First off, how you doing, I guess. But then, most importantly, man, what's going on? What's going on with these Sixers, man? I would I would agree with Kev. I'm also doing well. Uh, living that teacher life off this week. Enjoyed Feast Week with a lot of basketball on the couch today. So, a good start to the week, uh, needless to say. Uh, yes, I heard I heard the words, the attacks of the last couple of pods, so. I'm here to I'm here to stand up for myself and uh, yeah. do my job as producer Tyler a little bit better than before. Like I said, I apologize for the lapse. Um, but getting into the Sixers, man, it's definitely been rough. Start of the year was great, eight and two, taking care of business. Offense has been looking really good still, like top three in the NBA. And then half the squad got COVID, <laughs> and so they've had no MB, no Thibel, Danny Green pulled a hammy. Um, so really, just like, and obviously Simmons is never playing basketball for them again. So. <laughs> the, the roster has been very depleted. Um, and then, gosh, I think they've lost six of the last seven. They play the Kings later tonight. Uh, so they're pretty much back to 500. I think they're one game over 500. And then they play the Warriors after that. So that should uh, be really fun. And then uh, just some, like, observations from the year. I don't know. The biggest positive has definitely been Maxi. Shouts out to the Cats, Kev. Uh, Maxi's, like, averaging, like, pretty much – 50, 40, 90, and he's, like, flirting with, like, 20-plus. The high 20s, low 30-point games uh, are coming with a, a pretty decent regularity. I mean, obviously, some of that is he has to. Like, the usage is, is going way mm-hmm. up without him being there. But really, I, I mean, the fact that he, those numbers, the 50, 40, 90, and how much he's just having the ball in his hands with no, with no Ben Simmons there has been a huge plus. Um, but it's kind of a weird dynamic, like, if you start playing well in the Sixers, then you're just automatically thrown into like trade rumors <laughs> to package oh, yeah. with Ben Simmons to try to get to try to get a star, you know, like. But so it's kind of like an odd thing in that sense of like if you're any of the young guys and you are playing really well, which Maxi is honestly playing when no Embiid is like the best player on the floor for them. Um, it just kind of naturally has this thing attached to it where you could be gone. So that's as a fan, I don't really love that. Like the vibe of watching games is pretty different this year. So are you in the camp of you're you're okay with seeing Ben Simmons leave or are you one of those fans that's like we should we should try to salvage this? I think I'm okay with it. I mean, I would love to see them salvage it. I just don't think it's that salvageable just based on how things have gone. I, I just feel like there's not going to be really any bend to it. And I think both camps are pretty set on that. I would be just very surprised. I just feel like if he did come back, especially with Philly fans, like, it, it would just turn into more of a negative thing. Like the teammates could be all for it. And like, there's been some, some quotes of that and some support and not support as well. But <laughs> there's been, I think for some of the vets, uh, open-mindedness to that. And just like basically calling them out to like be a professional, like do your job. Um, not to say that you have to adhere to every, 
every every system and rule and like you know act like you're happy the whole time but like just showing up and doing your job um but I, I feel like if he did come back like I couldn't imagine what a home game would be like like it would be such a negative experience like especially the topic around mental health and like that's not gonna not gonna support that so that's why I'm thinking I'm Aaron more on the side that he won't play another game in a six-year uniform I don't know when that changes if that's February uh after those extensions can be traded but I'm more in the camp. I think it's a positive if he's gone, but they got to trade for something that's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Ty, there, there's no other option. There, <laughs> like, let, let, let's be clear. The that that has to happen for all parties involved, like you said. And I think um, the other thing I want to me- mention about that is you should not. Are you? I'm going to ask this to you as a Sixers fan. Are you, where is your panic meter right now about 20 games into the season? Uh, I'm going to be a terrible interviewer and kind of front load this. <laughs> I don't think you should be panicking, Ty. Are you panicking or are you not panicking? No, I mean, do you mean panicking in the sense of like the, the long arc of the team or just the season? The season. The season. the season you're a Sixers no. fan and you've been panicking about the long arc of the team yeah. for like the past like decade so yeah. that's not a fair, fair question fair. to ask you but we'll, we'll stick with fair. the season I think honestly no I mean with the with the full team like they were eight and two they didn't play like a, a lot of super they I think they beat the Bulls twice early on they, they didn't play a ton of good teams but they were eight and two with the full team healthy I mean the, the, the lineup they can roll out there with like Maxi, Thibel, Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid like that's a, I'm not saying that's going to win you a title, but that's definitely, I would say, like a tier B team in the East outside of, you know, those top few contenders, which honestly going into the year is about what I expected. I honestly felt they were kind of like that last year, even though they were the one seed. I honestly just hmm. didn't think they had the chops to like run half court offense in the playoffs. That's why I've been so encouraged with Maxi. I mean, there's been no Simmons, but like they're still like top three in offense. Their defense is much worse. I think that could balance out with Seibel and Embiid get back on the floor and play some more minutes but I, I wouldn't say I'm panicked for the season I think they're still like a piece away it's just can they do something with Simmons to actually get a piece I feel like they'll probably have to wrap up a lot of picks or maxi to do that so are you in the camp then of the Maury camp of we're gonna wait until we get like the absolute right trade or are you in the camp of hey like the longer we hold on to this and draw this out like the more detrimental it could be I, I guess both. I think the damage is done to a okay, large That's not an answer. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think I'm okay with holding out. I think the idea of, like, you're going to trade Simmons for a blue chip is just not a reality, like, period. Mm. I mean, in in Sixers media land, like, the the most rumored trades are definitely like, oh, can we trade Simmons and Maxi or Simmons and a pick or Simmons and this to get, like, Halliburton and Buddy Heald because the money works. That would be awesome. I don't know. I don't think the Kings. I mean, it's the Kings, so you never know. But uh, <laughs> the Kings would. They give did up just Halliburton fire their coach, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I believe their uh, their exec used to work with Maury. That's another reason that kind of rumored trade. Hmm. I mean, that could be great, you know. But I, I'm more in the camp of like I would not trade him for. I would not trade him ASAP for something that's like not going to help you win right away. I think the team is still in a very much so like win now mode even with Maxi's progression, because Joel Embiid is like, when healthy, is still one of the most dominant players in the league. And some of those vets and wings are coming along. They're, they're still at this phase where I think they can compete um, for a championship with one, like, good move out of dealing with Ben Simmons. So, 
Okay. Okay. So some optimism for, for the Sixer fans out there. Producer Tyler finally addressing that. Um, really, I know we're trying to do a, a more college uh, basketball-focused podcast, but a couple of topics we were talking about in the group chat was just addressing the Golden State Warriors. Kev, you were a lot higher on them going into the season than I was, man. Uh, is, is this a victory lap time for you, or is it still, still too early to call it that? No, I should have been higher. Um, like, I mean, the highest – that we should have been is saying that we're living in 2015 again. And like, yeah. you know, we just ran it back. Like we went in a time machine and went backwards. Cause that's currently what we're living in. And that's sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm here for that. I'm they why watching the highlights specifically of the Nets game brought me so much joy to that. Um, and then, let me get my my obligatory ringer shout out out of the way here pretty quick. Um, listening to Bill, actually, the OG pod, talk about the the dynamic, uh, I want to say it was with Robert Thompson was the guy's name. Was I think it's Marcus Thompson. But Marcus yeah. Thompson, excuse yeah, yeah. me. Um, talking about the kind of maybe the opposite of the 76ers. Well, I don't know, Tyler, maybe you can speak to this. The, of, of like a, just a, the the culture of the the institutional culture that's within the within the warriors where they have like these these young guys but like everyone is very much everyone knows their spot and no one's gonna like step on Steph or there's gonna be no like I'm I'm the I'm the king now at Draymond like no one there's gonna be there's everyone is being channeled properly in the in the correct way and um just also it was it was reminded that oh Steve Kerr's wow what a, what a great coach he must take after like you know Phil and like Pop and all this stuff well he also takes after Phil and Pop in that he is like like he said in the interview he has the list of names and he's coming for people mm-hmm. so I love I love all of this I'm I'm here I'm here for the Warriors I I should have been higher on them. I think it really what it comes down to is just like one, you're getting an MVP seasons from Steph, which we knew was possible after last year because he was a, a finalist for MVP right last year. So we knew that was in the cards, but like just being able to maximize like some of these, these other guys that you wouldn't think would be coming in like, you know, uh, George or um, yeah, is it Jordan Poole? Yeah. Jordan Poole is yeah. the name. Uh, Gary Payne, the second, a guy that yes. like wasn't even in the league, I think last year uh, just coming in and having and becoming like a rotation guy for him. You're getting like good production out of your young guys and, and Kaminga and whatnot. And you kind of like, I think the reason where I was kind of like, hey, they'll be a, a playoff team, but I don't think they'll ready to be a, a contender is because it's like, you know, you didn't know what these guys were going to be able to bring for you right away, especially as you're like, the whole idea was like, you're waiting for Clay to come back, basically. Right. But you didn't think like Draymond would like return back to form or Iguodala would turn back to form or that these guys would just come out of nowhere and start like fucking adding, you know, 12 points to their scoring average. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is another guy that like people have been waiting forever on. And now he's like finally here. So it's like all this shit, like you never really saw coming, but it's like now with the hindsight of it, like what you're talking about, just the institution that is the Warriors. It's like, we should have known that this was definitely a possibility. Definitely. I think for for me, they're they're by far for me like the most fun team to watch the NBA, and I think a lot of it is because of that energy. It's very Spurs like in terms of culture, and on that Bill Simmons pod, they talked a little bit about it, but just like the overall belief 
like in the guys like they, they're they're like just overall positivity and like implementing structure that really supports people in the role kind of like kev was talking about people kind of know their place but at the same time like they are supporting them to like excel in those roles to an extreme extent like like you said with gp2 and jordan Poole, those guys are in the g league and now they're like main contributors for them on both ends like they and when they played the nets i rewatched that game i missed it they played all 13 guys in the first half like mm-hmm. in a close competitive basketball game and so like everyone kind of has this buy-in and they're given minutes and opportunities whether that's pretty small for some lotto picks like kaminga um but they're still thriving in those roles and you got to think with Wiseman taking some of Looney's minutes and obviously Clay, like their defense and offense is probably only going to get better when those two guys come back too. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the Clay thing, I wouldn't be surprised if they slowed down a little bit as they, they kind of try to integrate them. But it's like, that's kind of the beauty of the situation is they're in such a great position to do that now where it's like, it could be he's coming back and now they're kind of like in the middle of the pack. They're like where the Clippers are or something like that. Now they kind of get to play with house money a little bit. It's like they don't necessarily need to be the number one seed going to the postseason, but it's like they can they can sacrifice a game or two in this stretch while they get him back up and running and then just go get that number one seed again. Because um, Clay's not going to – I mean, I don't think he's going to be too drastic of a drop-off, but it's like the dude hasn't played in two years, though. So it's like that's that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him as he shakes the rust off. But, yeah, that's, that's the scary part of the whole equation is like they got plenty of time to integrate him, get him – figured out and back into the mix of things and possibly not miss a beat or much of a beat while they're doing that. For sure. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, I would like to turn our focus to another Western conference team just really quick, just really quick. Um, if you missed it on previous episodes of this pod, we talked about how the Lakers may or may not be a 500 basketball team. They, they are currently a 500 basketball team. Um, we're holding on that ninth seed, baby. <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. I think we're uh, actually technically in the eighth seed right now. You are. But. According to the ESPN app, you are. So, um, RJ, are we just now worshiping at the altar of quantitative data? I, I don't even know what that means, but um, <laughs> well, here's what I could tell you, man. It, it has been rocky, okay? It's, it's, it's not been great. Um it's really kind of like the observation I made in the group chat where it's like, if LeBron's not on the court, this team is kind of a mess. And that's kind of how this Lakers, like the LeBron Lakers thing has always went is that anytime LeBron is a player on the floor, they're just like a totally different team that just like has no direction. They have no idea what they're doing. It's like AD and Russ are trying to figure out this, this thing where it's like, who's the best player, even though it's like, it should be obvious. It's like, I feel like AD is just like natural disposition is just he probably like you know respects Russ and like you know things that Russ is can still go but it's like it's just been I mean we're kind of a lot like the Sixers man we haven't even had close to our whole team this at any point this year like at no point in the season have we had our actual team so you know what I'm gonna leave this segment though with a ray of sunshine man Carmelo Anthony has been balling He's been going hammers three to the dome. Almost give myself a concussion every time he makes a three. Cause I'm just so excited for that guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's our bright spot right now this is mellow, mellow going hammers. And then, you know, us uh, gutting out a comeback win against the uh, second, to last seeded Pistons, um, you know, just signs of encouragement. LeBron is suspended uh, for that. If you guys want to talk, about that incident because uh that was one of the wilder things i've seen in an nba game and in, in a while uh, and this is of course a reference to isaiah stewart um 
shout out to the Huskies, I guess. That's the one time you guys are going to get a shout out on this podcast. But uh, just taking, taking a feeling some kind of way about an inadvertent, quote unquote, uh, shot to the face that drew blood. And uh, pretty much he tried to fight the entire Lakers roster. So uh, what do we think about that? That was pretty wild. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Kate Cunningham for saving somebody's life trying to control uh, Isaiah Stewart. Like the, the different clips I saw on that. Uh, multiple cops just like put their hands up as he like ran by super aggressively trying to take down the whole squad and Kate Cunningham was like barely hanging on to try to slow him down but Raj I hope it's a, a team bonding event for your Lakers that's what I'm hopeful for exactly yeah it's like uh the 77 Blazers that all came together either um after uh Maurice Lucas tried to fight a uh, chocolate thunder so who knows? It might that might be the turning point. <laughs> Fights can do that. Um, they can also tear things down even further. So, I to reiterate, they came back and won that game with <laughs> LeBron did. ejected. So, they just, did. you know, but <laughs> but it was the Pistons. Let's be clear. But it was the Pistons. Yes. So, I don't know, man. We'll see. It's uh, yeah, we'll see what's going on with that, but. I mean, like AD said, we don't look like a championship team right now, like in any shape or form. So, but still a lot of season left. So we just got to, I think they got to get up to at least like a four seed though. Somehow I think that home court advantage, they realized like how much they missed it last postseason against the Suns. So I don't think you can mess around with that kind of chance again. And I think that's like to really make a run, like they're in need some semblance of home court advantage. So they need to get back up to that four seed one way or another. So We'll see. Uh, you know who does look like a championship team? Is that I can take Miami? I can take this two ways. I could I could <laughs> I could either talk more NBA or pivot to college basketball. That's segue. That's how let's do that. That is let's 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 segue. Let's talk about what we're here for this feast week, man. That means Happy we're here for one week. thing and one thing only. That's that's college basketball. Yeah, your number one Gonzaga Bulldogs, who definitely look like a championship team. To finish that segue, uh, this is. Your quick, unsure if this is verified Twitter stat of the night. This will be the first time the AP number one team will play two top five non-conference opponents in the same week since the 1954 Kentucky Wildcats. Whoa. Go Cats. Go Cats with that. But also, yeah, just stop stop with Gonzaga never plays anybody content, please. Knock it off. So much tried to say that to me like this past weekend. I was like, what are you talking about? We're playing like three top five yeah. teams. Like, yeah. That take about? was cold. That take was cold five years ago. And it's freezing right now. So mm-hmm. that yeah, that's that's just that's lazy on their part. That's just flat out lazy. Also, we're not in WCC season, which I know is one of my favorite things to talk about, but they've been going at it too. So the conference won't even be, you know, like hold your nose bad. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, I guess from what we have, so we have seen what they look like. They absolutely just decimated uh, Texas, pretty much wire to wire. Um, what's our takeaway though? Because we haven't really talked about this year's team that much uh, on the pod yet. So it's like, what's our what's our early takeaway or assumption? I think the last time Tyler was on the podcast, actually, it was like right after the Kansas game or something like that last year. So, Ty, you want to lead us off with just your early takeaways and thoughts about this year's team? Yeah, definitely. I think 
I think in a lot of ways there's there's a lot of similarities between last year's team and this year's team. Obviously, Chet is a super unique player with changing some things, but I think as we saw in the Texas game, I think the point guard role, Nemhart, I mean, he played literally the whole game. <laughs> so he's mm-hmm. kind of orchestrate and running the show. Um, I think Hickman can, you know, fulfill some backup PG roles, but I, I think Nemhart is going to be heavily relied on this year. Obviously, Timmy was unstoppable in the Texas game. I don't <laughs> – I didn't really understand what Texas was doing in the game. They, they didn't ever hard double, and Timmy just scored every time. Like, he was shooting, like, 85% from the field. So, I think playing through him a lot. A lot of people were kind of, like, questioning what's Chet's role. I think Chet's super malleable, honestly, mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. But offensively, I think just taking what's given to him. And they weren't guarding Timmy well. So, it was like, okay, let's just feed him over and over until they do something different. Um, I am really excited to see how he fits in as we play teams with a lot more size and athleticism coming up this week. And then I, I say it's a similarity because they're not super reliant on the three. I think, honestly – we're shooting the ball better than we might in the future. Like the top four guards, like Nemhart, Strother, um, Hickman, and Bolton are all shooting like at a decent clip, like 36, 37 or higher. Um, and they're all shooting like three, four, five threes a game. I don't know if that's super sustainable. I hope that it is, but I think ultimately they're going to, they're still going to run a ton of high, low and play through inside. The one thing that's really exciting about this team, I think on the perimeter, it's way more athletic and fast than we've had ever before. So I think them getting up and down is just awesome and a ton of fun. And then with Chet in there, their defense in the set half court is, is really, really, really good. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I've seen so far. I, I think Nemhart's going to run the show and Timmy and Chet, those three kind of stand out. And if the perimeter guys can really fill in in terms of doing their defensive work and either pushing in transition or making open threes, I think, gosh, this guy's the limit for the team. Uh, as Tyler was talking – I, I thought it, his his point about Chet got me thinking about, I mean, a, a pretty lazy comparison on my part, but like as both as both freshmen with a senior front court mate, um, the Zach Collins comparison came came to my mind. And just like how on that on that team, he Zach only averaged 10 a game. And you know, mm-hmm. obviously his his big moment was the tournament, but um his his presence was felt not necessarily in terms of his points per game. And I'm wondering if we'll see that kind of continue with Chet. He won't be like the points per game dominator. It's going to be Timmy. It's the, it's the Timmy team. And, you know, Shemek on the, on the Zach Collins team averaged a little bit more. That was a, actually an incredibly balanced team in terms of their, their points per game. But like. You're talking about the 2017 team. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So maybe, maybe not. Maybe I should temper my expectations about uh, Chet in terms of points per game and kind of look for him to fill fill the role of the team in the other way. I was obviously thrilled with Timmy going off on Texas, the, his his home state. Um, part of that also came with a caveat of concern, though. Um, if they can, if a team can figure out or is capable of. Um, like <clears throat> Baylor, like stopping Timmy, then what happens to us mm-hmm. there? So that's what that's what I'm most interested to see in this week is who of UCLA or Duke will bring the best Timmy stopping ability um, to the table because that's going to be that's obviously the key to the the season. That's not incredibly earth shatter. No, I think those are all very fair points. Like. <laughs> To build off of both of what you guys are saying, the interior looks so much different this year. 
And that was something I was talking about a lot last season was like on the perimeter, our guards are like big, like we had big guards, you know, big athletic guards, but in the, in the interior, um, you know, we didn't have as much length or as much athleticism there. Like Chet changes that whole dynamic essentially where it's like, even if he's not blocking every shot, which I think he like is averaging like an insane amount of blocks, like right now for someone that's only like four games into his college career, but like, he's at least like changing shots or he's making guards think twice about, you know, coming into the lane, um, looking at different options. So it's like, if he doesn't have to necessarily worry about scoring, then that opens up like a different dynamic for them defensively. Defensively, also kind of what I noticed to Tyler's point about the uh, the perimeter guys just kind of seeming like faster and quicker. Um, I feel like they're a lot more aggressive, like a, like a lot more pressure on the perimeter, uh, causing a lot more turnover so that they can get out of run. That's always been Gonzaga's games. Anytime they're in the open floor, they're the most dangerous team in college basketball. Like it is not even close. Um, Kevin, to your point, though, I feel like the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team was like a definition of roles. And it's like last year's team was extremely special. Like that was just a team that just like everything fit well together. Like, but like kind of at the same token, like that team only really went like seven or eight deep. Like we really didn't get into the bench too much. And that was a concern of mine coming into the season was like, maybe we have too many dudes, you know, cause you got a guy like Hunter Salas who's like, not even like playing, like he's barely playing right now. And he's a five-star freshman recruit. You know, he's a star. He was one of the star recruits that we had before Chet, basically. And, you know, it's like, there's not really enough minutes for him. And it's like, that's fine. You can groom him to be the star of the future or whatever. But it's like uh, with those perimeter guys like Strother and, and Bolden, Bolden, you know, those are those are two guys that's like, hey, your roles are going to be three and D, sure. But then it's like, all right, well, what happens if there is a night where Timmy isn't, you know, isn't going? What if he's only getting like 15, you know, in a game instead of 25, which I think he's averaging right now or something like that. So that's where it'll be interesting to kind of see um, what happens when things kind of break down. Because last year we had uh, Suggs that basically was able to bail us out anytime things kind of stuttered, anytime things like I think of the BYU game in the WCC tournament where it was like, Pretty much he's like, there's no way we're going to lose this game. And he pretty much just put the team on his back. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to be Nemhard this year or or exactly or if that's the time where Chet is able to kind of shine in that kind of example, if he really is the number one pick for next year. But that that's, I think, the thing that's going to make this team a lot different than last year's team is that there's still a little bit of soul searching going on there, I think, as far as like trying to figure out what their roles are going to be and who's going to Mac, like who's going to be able to kind of carry what load whenever we might need it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think those, like, all the wing guys, it seems kind of like this weird blend of who does what and, like, what their role is. They I mean, all kind of do the players. same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I hear you on the minutes piece. I think you saw that in the Texas game. I think we went basically seven. I was played, like, four minutes or something in that game, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I mean, he was, like, a top-five guy. But I think that this team could operate. It's They, they can't play off the bounce because, like, we don't have a guy like Suck. Like you said, that was like, uh, I'd say, a, a once-in-a-generation kind of talent. So I still see them playing out of the ball screen a ton with Nemhart, like when they need to. One wrinkle that would be interesting, I, I, if Timmy ever does get in foul trouble, I think, like, going small and having Chet at the five could be, like, a really interesting look for the team. Like, if we just had four long perimeter guys and Chet had a ton of space to just be on the block by himself, I'm curious to see if that happens this year. Um, and I totally agree with you, Roger looking up some stats that were pretty crazy just on the percentage of shots like at the rim and what the field goal percentage was for those shots when Chet is on and off the floor and it's like mind-blowing how low the percentages are when he's on the floor so I'm excited to see that against 
better competition this week for sure. Kev, you got a chance to actually see Duke up close and uh, up close at the Garden against your beloved Wildcats. I mean, what was your assessment of that team uh, looking ahead to Friday? We know tomorrow they're going to be running it back against UCLA. Um, but since you've gotten to actually see what Duke looks like up close, man, what was your thoughts about them? I thought Duke was scary, uh, to, to, to be honest with you. The, I, I know, Kit, like, from a box score standpoint, Kentucky was around ish, but I never felt it never felt to me that Kentucky had a legitimate push in them that uh, I feel like Duke Duke from line to line was was pretty much in control that game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like you said, the two guards, the two the two freshman guards of Duke really impressed me there. Yeah, um, they're physical <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, that the, and they were they were taking it into, they were just straight up going into the paint and having their way with Kentucky. And I'm what I, my prediction for the, for the Duke game will be, I, I, I think Timmy's going to get his in that game. Um, and I'm, mm. I'm kind of basing that off of um, my new favorite Kentucky Wildcat for this year, Oscar Toshibwe having his way with, with Duke inside. Uh, so I think Gonzaga is going to be able to do fine on the front, in the front court and be able to, um, get some things going in the paint. I think you probably are going to see some blocks from Chet. You're, you're going to see Duke trying to take it to them, and it's going to pay dividends both ways. We're going to get some blocks, but also um, there's maybe the potential for foul trouble. The, big, the biggest concern I have is our aggressive guards, like you're pointing out, and perhaps Duke being able to utilize their aggressiveness against them mm. and just b- being able to – manhandle their way into in, inside there so that's that's my biggest thing there is it's going to be the backcourt battle is going to be the, the game hmm. yeah i'm very excited to see that i think we saw that with baylor last year just like the size and just pure physicality of like the perimeter players i mean i was looking up like duke trust are like like six four six five six ten six nine seven foot and they're all like mid 200 if not higher so like yeah. they in terms of physicality like we'll definitely be matched and i think we say like this is a bigger, more athletic perimeter team for Gonzaga. I think that will really be put to the test when they play Duke. So I'm curious to see how how that goes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially coming off of a game tomorrow, UCLA, which is going to be probably the most like hyped game of the the season. Just not only because it's one versus two, but also just the crazy finish of last year's final final four game. Right? Yeah, that was the final four yeah. game that that happened. Um, what we think about UCLA basically just bringing back that whole team and adding some actually. Well, they have, we, we spent a whole thing about the warriors taking names and our whole thing with intrinsic motivation. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing I'm worried about with that UCLA team. Like has like Johnny Jusang just been in the gym for months, like only thinking about Gonzaga, just I like, mean- like, He's not in the NBA. Like he could have went to the NBA last year, and he was like, "Nah, I want to come back and get a piece of these motherfuckers." <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he said, and I took that personally. So that that's the that's the <laughs> that's that's what concerns me about UCLA is I think Johnny Juzang is going to take it personally, and uh, we, it, talk to me after the first media timeout what that game looks like. I, I I'm I'm wondering how hot UCLA is going to come out, and if it's May, okay, maybe first media timeouts a bit ambitious, but like let's say the first ten minutes. Um, if we're if 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 we're in a punches, if we're in a little one possession, two possession, either way game after ten minutes, I, it it could be close. If if we're starting mm. to see 
if, if Juzang has like 10 after the first 10 minutes of the game, uh-oh. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a type of game where I feel like no lead is going to be safe. Like, no. just because if there's any team that can get up and down with the Zags, it's going to be UCLA. So it's going to be a fucking track meet of a, of a basketball game tomorrow night. Um, I, I honestly really don't know how to call it. Cause I mean, on the one hand, you got UCLA basically bringing back their whole team. Just, they're going to have some more, they're going to have more continuity than the Zags team is going to have, which is like got a lot of new faces on the team that weren't involved in that game last year. But I think, from just the athleticism standpoint, and maybe it is going to be kind of nice. That might be the game where having more dudes comes in handy just because it is going to be a track meet. It is going to be a high energy game, you know, where it's like someone's going to get gassed, like by that first media timeout, you know, just because it's like a holy shit kind of game. So maybe this is the game where it's like, like an Anton Watson, like comes up really big for you or something like that. Uh, someone that has more experience, um, even Strother, you know, someone that did get some, some burn in that initial UCLA game um you know just someone that's going to be familiar with those guys like that could help too um but i mean like i'm just going to be honest about this one i would be surprised if we walked out of this week with with wins in both games what do you guys think about that yeah i would agree with that i think like you said all the motivation in the world for ucla if you don't think mccronin's gonna have the guys ready that's <laughs> a sad mistake and i think even though ucla might not be quite as physical and athletic as duke like, their shot making is just, like, outrageous. They're just so flat out better. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're averaging, like, almost 100 a game. Like, mm-hmm. And so – and they played – I think they already played Nova. Like, they played some good teams already. And so, it's just, like, I'm curious to see kind of that energy and motor the Zags have when they are hitting a few jumpers in our eye, like, what you know is going to happen. Uh, or if we get an early foul trouble or whatever the case might be, I, I think this could be a game where the youth of our team is exposed. But with that being said, the Zags are also so loaded there's a decent chance they can cover up for that too. Mm-hmm. I completely, I think one and one and one is I'm, I'm, if we're walking out of Vegas one and one, that's, that, that's nothing to frown at. That's I think fair. And unlike, unlike last year where there was the, the whole magical element of going undefeated and like, you know, maybe it's, maybe it was the like, the, the veteran presence of like a Kisper to it. Um, mm. I feel like this, this team kind of needs, this team might need some L's, you know what I'm saying? Like with the, this yeah. team have to like have some teachable moments, learning experiences, things like that. So uh, certainly a loss to a team that you would like to be able to say, we will see them again in four months will be, could be probably will be beneficial. Um that being said, forget all the noise. Let's go get these two dubs this this week, man. Like, you. you know, you know, we're we're being very proper and uh mature with our analysis. And I'm proud of us for doing that. But I we let's 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 get into Vegas and like enjoy our feast week, fellas. Absolutely. We're, exactly. we're, we're pretty good. I look, <laughs> this act's pretty good. We are good, pretty man. good. We're, <laughs> we're like, pretty good. We're not exactly last year's team, and I think the rest of college basketball got better this year. But it's like we're still really good, though. <laughs> They're in the mix. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's still it's still a championship or bust year for the Zags. Like that hasn't changed sure. at all. Yeah, hundred percent. Kev's doing some calculating. I can see it. <laughs> oh, I was gonna make I, you saying that was just. You know, we talked uh, less than a year ago, um, the Sports Illustrated article about mm. 
like the different areas. And we hold, had a whole thing about different eras of college of, of yeah. Gonzaga of Gonzaga basketball. So we're now three years in a row saying championship or bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool, say, man. That's pretty cool, man. Maybe in the four years, if you go back four to years? That, that Rui Brandon Clark team. Hey, yeah. I think that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I was definitely deflated when that season ended. I felt like that team was really special, especially yeah. when they beat Duke early. Yep. So that's, yeah, this will be the first time we've played Duke since that game, since that Maui invite game. So revenge game for Coach K on his <laughs> way out the door. <laughs> say another magical ride. Yeah, Coach K. <laughs> oh man uh any other thoughts on on the college basketball season anything else jumping out to you guys i know tyler keeps a tangible or like tangential eye on villanova who still looks really good yeah i mean they're solid they've stood out but honestly of all the teams i've watched i've really been most impressed with duke and ucla Mm -hmm. um purdue has randomly caught my eye yeah Uh, other plug i got i got a plug tommy lloyd arizona just smoked michigan by like 20 last night i watched the replay of that today they play with a lot of energy and they have they have some international talent shocker uh tommy lloyd for you. <laughs> so uh, i hope i hope i hope the zags can schedule them in the near future and future seasons oh yeah absolutely you know that, that that's going to be happening what about you kev anybody anybody else jumping Just out to you really early? i saw i saw a tweet last night that the, they showed um i guess in the what the first 10 minutes of the second half the Arizona came out really strong um, in that in that game against Michigan. So everyone was like, "What did Tommy Lloyd say at halftime?" And someone wrote, <laughs> "Someone wrote, I've got half of Europe on speed dial. If you don't pick this up, I'm making calls." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it, man. For real. Uh, last shout out I had really was just the the on the women's side. Uh, South Carolina just throttling uh, UConn in the second half last night. That was pretty pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, the, is the dynasty over? We'll see next on first take. But um, I think that's pretty much all I got for college hoops, guys. Anything else just basketball related? No, I'd echo that. Ross, shout out to Don Staley. Yeah, the god. <laughs> Yeah, let's report back after a feast week when we're nice and full, and let's 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 take stock of how how the Zags look in December. Looking forward to it, guys. I love it. Appreciate well, you guys. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for joining us, producer Tyler. Glad that you're you're back on your bullshit, as the kids say. So, uh, in the meantime, though, it's been RJ and Kevin here with the Shorts and Goggles podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Breaker, uh, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Shorts Goggles Pod. As Kev said, we'll be back next week. Check in after Feast Week, uh, previewing Battle of Seattle coming up that following Saturday. But in the meantime, we out. <laughs>